Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonable Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Green. Eric, it's been an exciting week or so, an exhausting week or so. How are you doing with it all? Uh, I'm okay. You, I, I think you had less sleep than I did as product of being on the road. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly... And as product of just being me? Yes. Yes. Our anxiety manifests in uh, different ways. Uh, I sleep all the time. You can't sleep. It's great. Um, One of those is healthier than the other? Eh, neither is terribly healthy, but I suppose that is correct. Uh, but, you know... Always a really captivating time of year for us and for fans, certainly. And a time where we're on our toes and ready to spring into action, such as we act, uh, which isn't, you know, very arduous physically, at least. Um, But, yeah, it was obviously a really, really interesting trade deadline. And the days that have followed have uh, also been... uh, informative all right so to take a step back uh the not only the nba trade deadline but the entire week leading into it was pretty crazy i believe the nba tied a record for most trades in a season i believe it was the most number of teams involved on a trade deadline ever i have the hiccups geez that's not a good way to start the podcast um it was a very busy trade deadline and, and on at the top of the eastern conference There were big moves if you are not the Boston Celtics because, you know, as I outlined in the Anthony Davis scenarios, you have to use the Danny Ainge corollary. It's, uh, you know, Danny Ainge is not going to go and make this trade and put the assets on the table. But the fact that he could has to shape your thinking. Uh, Anthony Davis did not move. That was what most of the discussion was about leading into the deadline. Instead, there were some slightly smaller moves. I still think uh, the Toronto Raptors acquiring Marcus All for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and effectively Malachi Richardson, Greg Monroe, and three second-round picks uh, was a pretty big move. The <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers well, when you acquired... It, when you put it like that, it's, it is a very big move. Yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers acquired <laughs> Tobias Harris. The Milwaukee Bucks acquired Nikola Mirotic. Uh, both of those teams, even though we just laid out five players and three picks, the Raptors traded for Marcus Gasol. Uh, Tobias Harris and Nikola Mirotic, both also quite expensive in relative terms. Uh, Mirotic costing four seconds and Stanley Johnson in a multi-team deal. Tobias Harris costing maybe the best trade chip in the NBA, an unprotected 2021 first-round pick from the Miami Heat. Uh, those teams, though, understandably aggressive with the East as tight as it is. Let's start with just the Raptors' focus uh, and focus just on the trade first. We, we've seen Marcus All now in two games with the Raptors coming off the bench. Uh, his passing is obvious out of the gate. It seems to be a little contagious. Uh, the Raptors have not played well in those two games at New York and at home against Brooklyn, but they've come out with wins, and the Gasol parts of those games have been really fun. Eric, your initial thoughts on... Uh, the very friendly, and you're your now close personal walkaway friend, Marcus Gasol. <laughs> As uh, Michael Gray just forced that pointed out, he, he's not my walkaway friend, but my, uh, I, you know, I sort of, cor- my cornering friend, like I cornered him against uh, the, not physically, because I think we all know who would win that battle. Uh, but I cornered him against sort of the back wall, which he was doing the scrum at, uh, his scrum at post game against Brooklyn uh, to ask him a final question 
about my story on Kyle Lowry's introduction as part of the All-Star Blitz, which you can see in the Athletic NBA. Uh, but my, ori- my original thought was, from a pure asset standpoint, it was probably you know the best player they could have acquired for what they were willing to give up. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily view it Monroe and uh, and Richardson as part of those trades, especially Richardson because I think they made the Richardson trade before they knew that was uh, anything was going to happen necessarily. Uh, that was for tax savings regardless and because they don't see a future with Richardson, which is, you know, justifiable. But when it happened, I, I basically thought, yes, good price. I'm not sure exactly it's exactly what they need, but it's still a trade you make, especially in the situation they're in currently with uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, his free agency pending, obviously governing most of what the Raptors are thinking. Uh, I still thought they needed another shooter, and uh, you know, a perimeter shooter and some secondary playmaking after the loss of DeLon Wright. And that was obviously addressed, which we will get to. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, a really solid move. And all things considered, you know, definitely cheaper than Tobias Harris, although Harris is obviously in the prime of his career and has a longer possible future with Philadelphia than Gasol has with Toronto. Uh, you know, I, I was very curious if the Raptors were going to get involved with Nikola Mirotic, uh, Mirotic and I believe uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that there was a three-way deal that was ser- being seriously discussed with New Orleans and Orlando that fell through. We don't know the details. Uh, but getting Gasol, getting a guy with that presence and those skills is uh, is huge. Wow, 47-point triple-double for Paul George last night. I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. Paul George, uh, maybe the MVP? I'm not sure. James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Paul George, I think, in some order. Uh, Paul George with a remarkable plus 19 on-off differential for the Thunder. Yeah, that's Danny Green-esque. Yeah, it's, it makes Danny Green look like playoff DeMar DeRozan. It's, uh, plus 19 is enormous. They basically go from playing like the Bucks to playing like the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, would, that would suggest he's important. Yeah, your, uh, your New York Knicks mirrored in the longest losing streak in Knicks history. So it's nice that the Raptors could be a part of that. Uh, yeah, they although they did a lot to try and not be a part of that. Yeah, they uh, did not play well in that game. Not their sharpest game. Yeah, not they have not been their sharpest in general, which I think probably informed some of the uh, aggression. And it's something yeah. that we discussed that, you know, on paper, the Raptors have the highest ceiling or had pre-deadline the highest ceiling of any East team, but they had touched it only briefly on either end of the floor. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry still not a magnificent offensive fit together. Defensively, you know, the Nick Nurse has talked about them that playing 48 minutes of hard defense is a myth. Still, we thought this team could probably, you know, moonwalk to top five on defense. They've been a little underwhelming, and there's a lot of injury and load management caveat that comes with that. But you you were kind of running out of time, and your window is so narrow with Kawhi Leonard that you know you take a risk like this. Now, in terms of the value, I think we've talked enough about in our writing probably whether Jonas Valanciunas, CJ Miles, Delon Wright, a second round pick, and the other moves that had to happen were worth it. 
Um, we can now, I guess, depending on how you want to frame this, um, because the Raptors probably knew that this was a possibility. Obviously, if you trade five players and you only get one back and you're in violation of the collective bargaining agreement, uh, you know you're going to sign new players at some point. Uh, the Raptors are signing Jeremy Lin. Adrian Wojnarowski reported Monday that uh, the Hawks had you know, agreed to buy out Lin. The Hawks have been pretty firm that they weren't going to seek a buyout with any of their players. Uh, but Jeremy Lin, people came to him, hey, give me a chance to play a role on a on a legit contender. Lin is freed. He will clear waivers Wednesday, uh, technically in time for him to play against the Wizards. We'll see if it actually shakes out that way. Uh, and then Jeremy Lin will join the Raptors, as he posted on Instagram. So, I mean, it's first of all, it's just weird that Kawhi Leonard, Marcus All, and Jeremy Lin are all Raptors. It's very strange. Uh, I think you were the one who mentioned yesterday that Norman Powell is now the second longest tenured Raptor. Yeah, that was in my story as well from uh, Wednesday night's game. Uh, it is bizarre. Monday night's game. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. I, I wrote Wednesday, Wednesday night's game has I, not taken place yet. I wrote Wednesday. It's funny because I wrote Wednesday in my story before finding, like, before realizing it was Monday, like three or four times. Yeah. Uh, and I was also referring to uh, Spencer Dinwiddie as Sean Livingston uh, last night. You uh, did that. So, yeah, you did that to me in the yeah, press box. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I did it one more time at least. So uh, things are going well. At least he didn't compare Patrick McCaw to young T Mac, though, right? Yeah, that was a joke. Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. There was, no, there was no humor evident, but it was a joke. Anyway, we're getting too far in the weeds now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the Raptors, um, they signed Malcolm Miller. They've converted Chris Boucher and signed him to a multi year deal. Jeremy Lin will come in on what I'm told is just the minimum, not using chunk of their mid level exception that they still have available. Um, I, I kind of worked myself into, well, maybe they'll give Lynn the mid-level exception and that'll allow them to tack a second year on there. I don't think Jeremy Lynn would take a second year at only $5 million. I think he'd rather just roll the dice in, in free agency. But Jeremy Lynn is a fun addition. Um, extra important now that we know uh, Fred Van Vliet will be in a splint for three weeks. Van Vliet told me uh, yesterday after the news came out that he... Um, jammed his left thumb going for a steal in the second quarter of the Knicks game. He came back in and played in that game, but then the thumb started to turn kind of black and blue. Um, so he's in a splint now. The way it kind of sounds is that if you remember when Jonas Valanciunas went from the hard cast, uh, had that removed, had the stitches removed, went to the softer splint for a couple weeks and was doing like 60 to 70% of practice. Um, that is is roughly where Van Vliet's thumb is. They're calling it a partial partial ligament injury. Uh, it's not torn from what I'm told, but who knows with these guys. Uh, so Fred Van Vliet out for three weeks. They played with one point guard last night. Jeremy Lin was going to help regardless. Jeremy Lin can play next to Fred Van Vliet in a DeLon Wright role that gets Van Vliet off the ball more, where he is more valuable offensively because he can shoot and because he's not the pick and roll operator that Jeremy Lin is. While Fred Van Vliet is out, Jeremy Lin's got this uh, little three-week stretch here where he will be very important. Lynn comes in uh, averaging about 11 points and three assists for uh, the Hawks this year. Not a great three-point shooter, 33% on the year, around 34 to 35% for his career, but he gets to the free throw line at a rate uh, higher than anyone on the team not named Kawhi Leonard. So that's a valuable skill. He has a true shooting percentage on the year of almost 60%. Um, not Not a great defender, but when you can add this pick and roll element to the offense and you look at the Raptors second unit and it's lacked that so often, I think Jeremy Lin's a really nice fit here. Yeah. uh, Close to ideal, if not ideal uh, 
right along with Wes, with Wes Matthews, if he had ever really been available. I think those would have been the two guys I would have targeted, and they give you different things. Matthews gives you better sh- shooting, but not as much playmaking. Uh, Lynn, obviously the inverse, but, you know, since the Van Vliet injury happened, the priorities, at least in the short term, and how, however much you want to prioritize the, the short term is, you know, a individual consideration. I think it's fairly important to have a top two seed and a slump now, especially in the post-All-Star break where they have a few uh, games that should be, you know, high drama and, and uh, difficult as well with San Antonio and Boston, two of the first uh, three games out of the gate. It's a, it's a really... Smart signing again, like it's it's Delon Wright with a bit more willingness to shoot and certainly more ability to uh, create contact in a positive way, uh, and yeah, like he serves as insurance for a point guard injury, which we you know the Raptors obviously hope they didn't see as soon as they have seen it, but that happens. Uh, but he also serves as insurance for. Norm or, or maybe even OG Ananobi if they prove unplayable, uh, if they're in a huge shooting slump and it, it's just ruining the spacing on the floor. And regardless of that, he should be good for 10 or 15 minutes a game just in that DeLon Wright role, assuming full health and, and uh, relative product productivity. Uh, I think it's a really, you know, smart move for both sides here because uh, it's hard to think of another situation where Lynn would have had as much of an opening for a contender as he'll have in Toronto. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe in Philly if they were willing to bump TJ McConnell's spot in the rotation, but this is a good fit. I like it. Yeah. And obviously, in a non-basketball sense, I think the fact, I mean, I think Jeremy Lynn will enjoy the city. I know that um, the community in Toronto is really going to appreciate this. Every Jeremy Lin game since he entered the league, uh, since the Lin Sanity Valentine's Day game in 2012, um, you know, every one of those games ha- has had a heavy pro Lin crowd in Toronto. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a fun element of this as well. And then um, from all accounts, he's also, you know, another guy they add that is uh, a thoughtful quote for our purposes and a good locker room guy and a well-liked guy and stuff like that. So um you know, this kind of yeah. checks off all the boxes. Um, so the Raptors. Kenny, have uh, let, me just interrupt you. let me interrupt you briefly. Kenny Atkinson, who's the coach of the Nets and was an assistant during Lynn Sanity in New York, uh, they have a very close relationship. He has a close relationship with Lynn. And last night he said, and I quote, What I always said about Jeremy, he's a heck of a competitor, much better defender than people think. He fits the style of play that I think Nick wants to play. He's an elite competitor. Everybody competes in this league, but I think there is a pocket of guys that go above and beyond that. You know he's going to be prepared. He's meticulous in his preparation, very smart and versatile. Uh, you saw him guard Dwayne Wade in the playoffs. Uh, excellent pickup. So obviously these are the kinds of things that coaches say about opposing players, uh, but they have a close relationship. He knows uh, Atkinson knows Lynn better than most and is a, is a huge, huge fan. Uh, so it should be, yes, I, I think it's as far as the buyout market goes. And even though we've become sort of obsessed with the buyout market in the past few years, it's not reliably 
a place where you can find real contributors. The Sixers were sort of the anomaly last year. That doesn't happen often. Uh, this is a really good find for, for the Raptors. Yeah, the, the bio market, James Herbert wrote something about this, I believe, before the 2018 bio market. Basically, you know, everyone makes a huge deal out of it. And then most of the time you end up with Jason Thompson. Uh, last year, Bellinelli and Ilyasova going to Philly was meaningful, but also there was a rare case where Philly was paper thin and could offer 20 minutes a game to buyout guys, which is not realistic if you're a contender. Now, Wesley Matthews going to Indiana, that's a good fit where he's going to get to play a lot. Wayne Ellington going to Detroit. Um, you know, Ellington was in and out of the rotation in Miami this year and has free agency to worry about. So maybe playing time carried a much you know, a much bigger priority for, for a guy like Ellington. Um, I think people, A, have overstated the quality of the bio market in past years, and then B, this year, really overstated the immediacy of the bio market, where people, uh, not the straw man, you know, whoever on Twitter, but, like, people were, like, upset that by Saturday they hadn't signed bio guys, and most of the guys hadn't even actually been waived, let alone cleared waivers yet. Um, and there's a guy like Markeith Morris who is going to require – you know, medicals because his, his head is falling off his spine um, or whatever's wrong with his neck. Um, so this stuff, you know, it all came together pretty quickly after the trade in, in relative terms. Uh, the Raptors still have two open roster spots. They've signed Malcolm Miller and Chris Boucher and Jeremy Lin, or will sign Jeremy Lin, rather. Uh, two open ro- roster spots, only one of which they'll probably use, and they don't have to fill it until coming out of the All-Star break. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported last night that the Raptors are among several teams interested in Markeith Morris. Uh, we mentioned uh, thoughtful quotes and good locker room guys. Um, Markeith Morris, I'm not saying he's not a thoughtful quote or he's not a good locker room guy. Uh, he is a bit more of a wild card, it would seem. He can be an incendiary quote. Yes, yes. Um, so the Raptors have generally held a, and again, I'm not saying this about Morris because I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, But the Raptors in general have had kind of a no asshole policy in the past where, you know, if a guy had some red flags on him to do with off court stuff or chemistry stuff, you know, maybe they didn't maybe they didn't try. Um, Markeith Morris has had a little bit of that. Uh, He's had, you know, he's gotten in some some scraps. He's been a squeaky wheel at times. Uh, he's also tough as nails. He also plays a position the Raptors could use an extra body uh, for depth and in the event that OG Ananobi, who has started to turn it around, um, struggles persist. Uh, friend of Kyle Lowry. Would you have interest in Markeith Morris? Were you the Toronto Raptors, Eric? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, at this point, I think even though they converted Chris Boucher into a two-way contract or, or from a two-way contract into uh, a full-time contract. I think you're looking for another guy who can play in the front court, uh, whether it's a traditional center or more of a, you know, forward wing with some shooting. Uh, it's not crucially important because you got Marcus Gasol to bang with Joel Embiid and, and any other true big man, you know, traditional big man that, that comes along. Uh, but more, I mean, you know, so much of it is health dependent. We don't have his medicals. He's uh, reportedly been cleared to play, uh, or I forget what the wording was. What It was either play or resume basketball activities. Yeah, I believe uh, he's expected to be okay coming out of the trade deadline based on the, the several reports about his health. Yeah. There. So I think he's, you know, among the more talented players that could be had. So you got to... Given the Raptors' needs, you got to kick the tires. 
I wouldn't have much hesitation uh, because of the quote-unquote character stuff. He's also been had some off-the-court issues, uh, which shouldn't be glossed over. Uh, I say as I gloss over them, uh, but <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have them right in front of me. But uh, you know, he's, he he's good. Can be a vol- he, he can be a volatile presence, but he also gives you a bit of that edge, and you're not going to be as pushed around necessarily as you. Uh, you know, which can be a worry. Uh, so I think you you seriously look into it. He might not see the minutes there uh, that he would like. Maybe uh, Boston now has a spot open. Maybe they look at him. Philly, the Flask sure brothers reunited. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I guess if Boston's an option, that's what, probably where he would go, just based on, you know, how in the past they took very specific contracts to play together, but who knows if that's still a thing. You'd like to see the Morris brothers go up against each other in a playoff series. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you got to make the call if you're, if you're Masai Jerry. Yeah. So Morris, 6'10", 250, uh, still only 29, even though it feels like he's been around forever. Um, not a great rebounder for, for the four position and probably based on how it looked in Washington, I don't think you'd want him, not that the Raptors would play him at center. If they're going small at center, it's going to be uh, Pascal Siakam, but you probably don't want uh, Marquise Morris there. Uh, but he's hit 35.6% of three three-pointers per game over the last three years, and that's a useful skill, even though that's you know league average and he was a little worse this year before getting hurt. Um, you know That's a useful, a useful skill to have, especially in a small-minute bench guy. His true shooting percentage has hovered around the league average the last couple of years. Um, you know, he's, uh, like, like we said, as far as bio pieces go, that would be a pretty nice get. And, uh, there are not a lot of combo forwards, um, or, or power uh, who else is even, who else is even, oh, let me tell you, like, Eric Kareem, who's out there. It, it could be AC stick with Phoenix. Yes, still, I believe so. Or, okay. I would have like low key liked Quincy AC, but uh, maybe I'm overrating Quincy AC because I like him personally. Well, if you want to hear uh, someone overrate someone, I do. Michael Beasley yeah. will clear waivers today. Mm, that'd be super cool. It would be super cool. Uh, and I know that people sometimes think I'm joking because this is like the seventh year in a row I've suggested the Raptors sign Michael Beasley at this time of year. Michael Beasley. Look, it's okay. So now that the Raptors have Marcus All and Jeremy Lin, um, and ostensibly, you know, you'll have Lin and Van Vliet in the second unit plus one of Gasol or, or Serge Ibaka, maybe occasionally Pascal Siakam. You don't really need this anymore. But before the Jeremy Lin signing, you look at the Raptors' second unit, it's like, oh, they're going to struggle to get a bucket. Well, Chuckers, as Michael Beasley is, can help kind of raise the floor of those groups. He's never, he's a guy that he, w- if you signed him, he would never play with your good lineups anyway. Um, because he's not that kind of guy, but he can be a floor raiser for bad lineups. Um, <laughs> he's not that kind of guy in that he's not very good. But he's he's not not good. He just he has a specific no, role I, on a good team, that. and it's that yeah. you know how many times did we see even when the bench mob was rolling? You know they'd they'd roll out these four two runs over like three and a half four minutes. Yeah, no, he's a he's a you know partially functioning microwave yeah and he's you know over the last four years he's been roughly you know maybe even a shade above league average for true shooting percentage this year he he has basically stopped taking threes so that that's not there um but you know some positional versatility he's another guy who's 6'9 240 um and and the the kind of low-key thing about Michael Beasley is that 
after he, you know, had the that stuff early in his career where, you know, he got a bit of a reputation, he fell out of the league. Um, everyone I've taught, or not everyone, but uh, people around the Knicks and Lakers have both like raved about him as a teammate and as a leader. And like, he's this hard worker and he has a way of lightening the mood because he's Michael freaking Beasley. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, I don't think it's a, a fit now that they have Jeremy Lin. Um, they just don't have the as much of a need for a chucker in the second unit, I don't think. Um, I think they should prioritize shooting in that spot, or as we talked about with Morris, some toughness. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was a, I didn't think it was a bad idea. I thought it would be, as you said, super cool. Yeah, I mean, there are worse things to do with the final spot on the roster. Uh, but yeah, you know, now that you have Lynn, and if you have, you know, I, I expect Gasol and Ibaka to more or less trade starting assignments. Uh, I don't really see why they would trade it now, change it now. Uh, although Gasol certainly showed on uh, on Wednesday. Nope, still wasn't Wednesday. No, nope, it's still on Monday. Monday night. <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of the added uh, elements to his game that Serge Ibaka, to say the least, did not have. Uh, if you have that sort of passing with the second unit or, you know, what will be just not the starting lineup because the playoffs here, rotations generally become eight, maybe nine guys. Uh, you want, you know, sort of savvy cutters and good shooters. That's more important than creation, uh, as you said, especially with Lennon in tow. Yes. Uh, so there are still bio candidates out there. Um, I would think that Morris is probably the leading candidate just because we haven't heard buzz about anyone else. Uh, let's go through some of the other names. Uh, Milos Teodosic, there's a rumor he's going back to uh, Europe. But anyway, I think we can probably, like Jeremy Lin's the point guard they're adding. They they played Patrick McCaw point guard yeah. last night. Uh, they gave Norman Powell some point guard reps. They have Jordan Lloyd on a two-way. Um, I don't think they're going to be adding a fourth nominal point guard. Is Are you, are you with that? No. Yeah, why do that? Uh, so no, the, there's no, it's bad, bad view to the spot. The center position is interesting because, you know, right now if Serge Ibaka or Marcus Sull were to go down, you would have to play Pascal Siakam at the five or Chris Boucher. Uh, I could see them wanting additional center insurance. Um, among the names that have been bought out or may be bought out, we have uh, Ennis Cantor, who makes JV look like Rudy Gobert defensively, but can get a bucket and rebound. Um, Robin Lopez, who the Bulls have pretty firmly stood by. They're not buying guys out, but you never know. Um, the Hawks sounded like they were doing the same. Uh, Marcin Gortat, Pau- uh, Marcus Hall's old friend, Zach Randolph, uh, Mr. Steal Your Girl, Frank Kaminsky. It doesn't sound like this is going to happen, but uh, Channing Fry would be cool just because he could replace one of us on this podcast. He would just alternate. He would replace one of us each week. And uh, Do any of those guys, if they're bought out and clear and have interest, do, do any of those guys strike you as possible Raptors additions? Obviously, under the understanding that whoever signs in that role is going to have to understand they're in the Greg Monroe role, where you're not playing unless it's a blowout or someone gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, Lopez, I think... I mean, I, I really like Deadman, but I don't think he's... You know, as you said, there's language in his contract that makes it dis- uh, not advantageous to for him to have a buyout. Uh, I like Lopez. I, I think he'd probably want more playing time or to go to Golden State and get a. He's ring probably going to Golden State. The sounds of things, but but you know, you could having him for a potential Brook Lopez series would be 
useful and fun. Um, other than that, like all those guys are serviceable and in the same way that Monroe existed on this roster, who was also serviceable, if he's playing, you're probably in a lot of trouble. So I don't, I don't get that worked up about it because if he's getting minutes, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> like, like something bad has happened uh, either with foul trouble or uh, an injury. So, you know, each, each of those guys, like Gortak can give you some better uh, post defense and is, uh, you know, replaces some of the screen setting, uh, legal or otherwise, that you've lost with Jonas Valanciunas. Do you hesitate with uh, Gortat because it would hurt Valanciunas' feelings? Uh, I'm not ready to talk about Jonas Valanciunas' feelings yet. I'm sorry, uh, buddy. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and with Cantor, you get some of that rebounding back that you've lost. The Raptors, you know, weren't a good re- rebounding team before. Now they're without their best rebounder and Gasol is adequate, but he's not Valanciunas on the glass. Uh, yeah, Gasol has a little bit of that Lopez brothers thing where he doesn't put up strong rebounding numbers, but he has generally driven uh, the rebounding performance of rebounding. lineup season. Yeah. So yeah, his team he he had some really good box outs last night, even where uh, he didn't get the rebound. Sorry, if you're a team that wants to play fast off of misses like the Raptors do, um, it's just as valuable, really, to make a clean box out and clear a path for a Kyle Lowry or Pascal Siakam uh, to pull in those. So we'll need a larger sample, obviously to see what Gasol's impact on the team's rebounding is, but uh, you know, not the center, not coming down with the ball, but helping the rebound come down in your hands is, uh, is maybe even better than the center, just grabbing the rebound himself. So the bat, you know, ideally the point guard would get every rebound, but yeah, that's hard to make happen, you know, uh, yeah. or maybe not as not as hard as we previously thought, given uh, Westbrook's uh, rebounding in the past few years. I mean, look, the Raptors have played at a faster pace since they got Marcus All by like two point five percent. So clearly, well, uh, that is a large enough sample size to draw plenty of conclusions. Yeah, that, we're talking forty one minutes. That's long That's enough to conclude that the Raptors will play fast with Marcus All. And his teammates are completely incapable of hitting shots off of his passes. So he's actually not a good passer uh, because otherwise the guys would make these shots. Seven for 20 so far, the Raptors are off of Marcus All passes. Uh, yeah, and some of them have been layups or open threes. Uh, but, you know, the Raptors missing open threes isn't terribly new, unfortunately, for them. So, uh, yeah, going to be anxious to get another at least willing shooter in Jeremy Lin into the lineup. Again, he's not a knockdown guy and losing Van Vliet will really hurt there because his shooting, I haven't looked at the splits or anything. It seemed like he was coming into his own and he's definitely in clutch situations. One of the guys where you want the ball to wind up for that shot. Uh, but uh, other than Danny green and, and hopefully Kyle Lowry has worked some things out. He's looked much better in the last few games uh, as a shooter it's tough to know where you want the ball to wind up, even if they do get that elusive ball movement uh, to lead to a good shot. And even you saw on uh, Monday night, uh, Kawhi Leonard created a pair of great looks for one for Green and one for Lowry. Uh, Kyle Lowry, and, and, and they both missed them. Lowry 
after making one pump fake for some reason, and uh, maybe he just didn't have a good handle on the ball and missed it, and the Nets hit a three going the other way. Uh, so you're going to need those guys, obviously, to be ready and willing to shoot. But uh, some other guys are going to need to step up. Norm Powell's been shooting the ball uh, very well for, you know, given his track record as a spotty shooter. So, uh, you know, the Raptors would obviously like that to continue and uh, hopefully find something approaching consistent with OG Adenobi's shot, uh, which is getting... You know, more. I, I thought I don't know. We played had some like great defensive moments against the Nets. OG Ananobi guarding ball handlers sure looks a lot better than OG guarding off the ball. Yeah, he's uh, really good. Uh, sometimes, which, you know, it was sort of the case last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll you'll remember in the Washington series they moved Kyle Lowry to basically guard Brad Beal. Um, and then put Ananobi more often than not on John Wall. And then in game six, they put Siakam on John Wall a lot, which was uh, a stroke of genius from Dwayne Casey and his staff. Uh, but yeah, you do, you know, typically with, with young defenders, you don't want their heads on a swivel. It's better if they're just trying to contain ball because that's the best use of their athleticism. And again, we're, you know, we're painting broadly here but it, it minimizes their weaknesses uh, uh, in terms of their lack of uh experience and, and just sort of knowing the patterns of off-ball screens and, and things like that all right let's close out uh the buyouts let's look at some wings and forwards uh west matthews and wayne ellington have already found homes vince carter's not getting freed nick stauskas sauce castillo after playing for half the league uh during trade deadline week has signed with the Cavs. Uh, the big question here, Ben McLemore, it's unclear if he's still going to sign a 10-day with the Raptors. Uh, he would now be the 14th man. He's not particularly good, but he's hit 35.3% of his career three-point attempts. Uh, Troy Daniels is a name that I thought would maybe get bought out just because the Suns are the Suns. Uh, he's kind of a watered-down version of what Wayne Ellington would bring. He's at 40.3% of his career threes. Uh, he doesn't really have any other NBA skills, but that's a nice skill to have. Um you know, Mello, I'm just going to say no. Chandler Parsons looked like he was getting bought out and is now being worked back in. Um, and then I got asked about Jeff Green and J.R. Smith a lot. It doesn't look like either of those guys is getting bought out. Um, the only other one, and he's more forward, like more traditional forward than Wang, I think, is if the Knicks bought out Lance Thomas, who isn't really playing. Um, I guess Macklemore is the guy to focus on here because none of these other names either will or have been bought out yet. But does anyone else strike you from, from that group of non-point guard, non-centers? Uh, no, I, I like Daniels too for his potential role, uh, but he doesn't really have the size that you'd ideally want. And he's not, I mean, he's a good shooter, but he's not enough of an upgrade elsewhere to where you can realistically see him getting playing time now. Uh, you, I, I think you really want some sort of front court help. That's where I would be looking uh and we can put this to bed finally and conclusively. Chris Bosch announced he's retiring. Uh, he has not yet retired, but he said he stopped trying to petition the league to, uh, to get back in, considering his uh, health concerns. We'll have his number retired in Miami on March 26th, I believe, but he is not an option to play for the Raptors. No, uh, he is an option, though, once Vince Carter's jersey goes up to have his jersey retired in Toronto. 
Yeah, if the conversation went that way, I was going to say they have to make a decision on Vince before you make a decision on Bosch because I don't think you can. Vince can't not be putting Bosch. Yeah. Vince has to be the first one. Yeah, if you're putting in, yeah, you're either putting in if you're putting in Vince, and I'm willing to hear a conversation about not putting in Vince. I would put it up, uh, but I'm not terribly passionate about these things. But if you're put, if you're not putting in Vince, you're certainly not putting up Bosch. Uh, if you want Demar and Kyle Lowry to be your first two guys, uh, I can see the argument for that. Uh, but then you're not putting in Vince. So anyway, expect Carter's number to be retired at some point. Is what this is saying. Then we can talk about Chris Bosch. Yeah, Chris Bosch was awesome. He was. I I I feel comfortable saying he was my first favorite basketball player. Because I like, I kind of came in at the end of the Vince Carter era to basketball. Um, I feel that was not an easy time to root for Vince. No, no, it was not. Uh, if you were, especially if you were a Raptors fan, which I was becoming at the time. Anyway, Bosch is awesome, and I hope he's happy and healthy. Uh, we have a little bit more Raptor stuff to talk about. Not a, a an obscene amount because we can't do your normal pick the games thing because we only have one game before our next podcast. I would think. Uh, today is February 12th. The Raptors play the 13th against the Washington Wizards, uh, where they'll have a chance to extend their winning streak to six games. They will then come out of the All-Star break with four more straight at home. Uh, the first of those, extremely emotional. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is back. February 22nd, the first game out of the All-Star break. Uh, we will try to pod uh, leading into that game. Um, it'll probably be mid to late week if we do it, because uh, I'm going to actually try to take a couple days off over the all-star break. We'll see how that works out. I'm skeptical of myself, uh, but we'll see. We'll have another podcast before then. So Eric, call the week. Are the Raptors going 1-0 and or 0-1? Uh, I think they're going 1-0, Blake. Uh, there will be a quadruple overtime win with uh, 12 debated calls, as is how things always work up, uh, work out with the Raptors and uh the Washington Wazards, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty hard to lose to that team at home right now. They're bad. They've lost four of their last six. Their only wins in that stretch are against Cleveland and Chicago, who are not particularly good teams. Uh, this is also the third game of a four game or the third game of a three game trip for them. So, I mean, no back to backs on that trip and not a heavy travel one, but still, so it's the third game of a three game road trip. You know, also, they're bad. You got to think they're bad. Their bags will be packed uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, but just because the Wizards always produce scintillating drama with the Raptors, I'm sure it'll be cl- – and because the Raptors aren't playing particularly well, I'm sure there will be like a 4 for 26 shooting performance. Let's call a close win. Overall. Yeah. They're also – they're not – you know, they're not a team without talent – um, Tomas Sodorowski no. is, uh, was out Monday for a personal issue. It's unclear if he'll play Wednesday. Uh, obviously Dwight Howard. Uh, he, having, yeah, he, he became a father. I don't know if he became a father, but he, uh, his partner or significant other, I assume, uh, had a child. So congratulations to the Sodorowskis. So who knows if he'll be there Wednesday, uh, Wall and Dwight Howard, obviously still out, but they have Bradley Beal. And they have support pieces like Trevor Reza and now Bobby Portis and Jeff Green, who's having a really nice season. Uh, they don't have a lot of talent, and they are too – I was going to swear. Uh, I will not. They're bad defensively, very bad defensively, uh, but they can score. So it'll still be a good challenge, I think. 
this has got to this has got to be it for Scott Brooks. You figure it's hard to see him coming back. Yeah, but I th- I've thought that for a long time, and I've thought that about Ernie Grunfeld for a long time. And although Ernie Grunfeld probably extended his his uh, employment by getting under the tax and a bunch of nonsense moves. Congratulations to him. Yeah, uh, the Wizards, by the way, are three games out of a playoff spot with three teams they'd have to jump to get there. Uh, it might be they might be out of it. I don't and like they would be they they're not a good team so it'd be fine as a playoff matchup. I just I don't want to watch the Wizards for four or five or six more games again. Yeah, other than like Washington's one of the better cities to hang out at uh in for a few days. Uh anyway, uh we were talking about potential playoff matchups. That's a conversation we could probably save for like a March podcast or something. But uh, you know, uh personally, uh, beat writer Minutia. Uh, I would like Brooklyn, but I also think that's the least desirable potential matchup for the Raptors just because... They can hit 23 in a game. Get into the lead there. Yeah, like they can just win two games because they hit 23s, which they did last night and still didn't win. And as Nick Nurse said, it might be the first time the opposition has ever shot hit 23s against him and he still won. Uh, well, I looked it up. The, the, Raptors, the Raptors only hit nine threes. You looked it up. And it is only the 15th time in NBA history that's happened. Wow. Had the Raptors ever done it? Uh, that I forget. Okay. So I'm useless, but it's... Uh, no, you, know, you, have, you have limited use. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was only the 20th time, obviously, or 15th time, sorry. Uh, obviously, the, a lot of those are recent. Uh, eight of them have happened this year as the three-point explosion continues. Uh, no, the Raptors had never done it before. They had never allowed 23-pointers to an opponent and won. Because normally, if you allow 23-pointers to an opponent, especially on 20 of 41 shooting, uh, that's a that's a bad formula. The thing about 23-pointers is that 60 points. Yeah. Um, although there are some, like there was one, that the Nets beat the Rockets this year in overtime. And that was one of the games where an opponent hit 20 or more threes. Because the Rockets shot 23 of 70. Yeah, it's a bit different. Thirty-three percent. Yeah, not a high uh, yield look there. Well, it's like shooting fifty percent from two. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, we're forty-five minutes in. Eric, what else do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about anything else? Um, I don't know. Nothing. I I'm not caught up on Riverdale. Can't talk about. I that. I've quit on it. So congratulations. Yeah, I, I think just, I've quit too. I mean, I haven't I haven't watched in months. I haven't watched much of anything. I'm behind on True Detective. Yeah. I haven't watched Russian Doll yet, which you said was really good. Yeah, it was good. It is good. Uh, for those, it is strange. So for those who are going to take our or my advice, uh, give it until the, at least the fourth episode. Uh, there's only eight, and they're only a half hour a piece. Uh, but before you quit on it, try to make it to the fourth episode. Because that is the point where I started caring about the characters instead of just being interested by the idea and premise. Cool. Uh, what else? What else you got, man? How's uh? It was Walter's um, adoptiversary, which we I feel it like was, we should probably uh, mention, acknowledge, and uh, celebrate. Yeah, he had a he had a big weekend. Uh, he's he's been on a diet because he can't lose weight. Uh, just making him more relatable. Uh, who among us? Um, 
but on Sunday, the, there was an engagement party, and he uh, he had all the gr- the crumbs. He he was all over the place, really uh, looking for those loose balls, as it were. Uh, so that was a big day for him. Good hustle, cheat day. Uh, it's the only time you'll see see him hustle is for food and maybe his ball. Otherwise, it's very lazy. And uh, then, yes, Monday was his adoptiversary. He's a great dog. I love him very much. That's great. I'm happy. Uh, earlier in the podcast, you may have heard Lenny barking. Uh, Lenny's still trying to... I did. Still trying to put forward that uh, that feud for WrestleMania. Yeah, we can get them together. Uh, maybe we can you know, we'll watch WrestleMania together and bring the dog. There you go. We, the, the Raptors doing us the favor of an afternoon game the day of WrestleMania, which is great. Yeah, not for Super Bowl, but for the Super Bowl of sports entertainment. Yeah, the uh, real they, thing that matters. They have a long time to, yes, uh, the real thing that matters is the fake thing. Uh, I don't have any wrestling takes right now. Well, I do, but they're all uh, Japanese wrestling uh, takes. So. Yeah. What happened? Who won the, the... I saw something happen in Japanese. Yes, there is a new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I don't want to say it in case someone isn't caught up, but uh, well, just spoiler alert: if yeah. you don't want to know about wrestling, stop listening to the podcast now. Have a great All Star Weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Breathe, Go ahead, Blake. Breathe with the Switchblade. Uh, Jay White is the new IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Um, he is a small-ish New Zealander who has had the rocket strapped to him since Wrestle Kingdom last year, where he came back uh, as like a new character and. Uh, wrestled Hiroshi Tanahashi and in the last year has beaten Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega who are the three biggest stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling of the last five to ten years. Uh, He's beaten them all and now he's the champ. So he has had the rocket strapped to him and it's been... uh, A lot of people hate him. I can't tell how much of it is the good kind of hate where they really want to see him lose and how much of it is so-called X-Pac heat where people just like don't actually like him. Uh, he's really good in the ring though. And I think his character is good. I'm, I'm a Jay White fan as much as I like to make jokes about him being a non-sex haver uh, because he is uh, anyway. Yeah. So it was a, it was a big deal. Uh, anytime, anytime a Gaijin wins the uh, new Japan title is a, is a big deal. That means yeah. um, non okay. like a white guy. When a, a non-Japanese, yeah, non-Japanese, yes, yeah, I, uh, I guessed based on context. That's what it meant. Yes, but I was not sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Dean Ambrose has been very entertaining since his departure, which may or may not be a work. Seems not to be, but who knows? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. It's been entertaining. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, him and EC. Also, it's it's weird that they have had EC3, who is like one of their best promo guys, and has always been a promo guy, not an in ring guy. And they've debuted him at, yeah. with this gimmick where like he doesn't talk, and every time he tries to talk, he gets cut off. It's very strange. It's a good gimmick. Uh, you know, I, I can see it. It's I mean, especially you know, didn't Chris Jericho do that one time? He came back like he just kept on not saying something. Yeah, he did it. He he came out and he got this huge pop, and he just like basically smirked in the ring for like fifteen minutes. It was amazing, <laughs> and it was like it was the best way to turn heel ever because it's just like you know what the crowd wants, and you just don't give it to him, and then you're very smarmy about it. And yeah, 
Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, it was great. Professional wrestling guys. Yeah, get into it. It's good. It's good. Um, all right, man. Do you have it's pretty, it's pretty terrible, but, you know whatever? Yeah. Do you have anything else before we let them go? No. Read our stuff on the athletic. Blake uh, really nailed the cap tax specifics. Uh, in doesn't matter now, but in a very short amount of time after all the moves, uh, he really gave people an idea of, of where the Raptors stood and. Uh, We'll continue to do so. Uh, I, I think our deadline stuff was very good in general. Um, again, please read my Kyle Lowry introduction, low high five story. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, part of the Athletic NBA's All-Star Blitz. Uh, there's discounts to be had if you're listening to this and are not an Athletic subscriber. Um, Which yeah. some of you definitely are, based on the numbers this podcast does, and the numbers our uh, articles do. Story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that expensive. We understand money is uh, not something to just throw away, but we do our best to make the uh, the cost worth your while. Also, we're so. both just like much better writers than we are podcasters. This is not where our strengths lie. Yeah, no, we're ter- we're, we're we're terrible at podcasting. Thank you. For listening please give, okay. give us monies money me money please uh and, <laughs> and, uh and we will talk to you guys probably mid late next week to tee up uh demar de rosen's return eric thanks so much buddy all right see ya it's too late to be a reasonable man.